Son, and Holy Spirit. Now and forever. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. For Lord, grant you absolution or remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we in the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We are grateful for these young hearts and minds. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would watch over each and every one of them. You would fill them, Lord God, with your life-giving spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Go fight win. This morning's first reading comes from Isaiah, chapter 8. To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. They will pass through it hard-pressed and hungry, and it shall happen when they are hungry that they will be enraged and curse their king and their God and look upward. Then they will look to the earth, and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he lightly, he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in, the Gal- in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of shat, in the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Please stand for the reading of the psalm. This morning's psalm is number 27, and we'll say it responsively by the half verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against, came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For in the time of trouble, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. And now my head shall be lifted up. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Second reading comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, starting at verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories... Let him glory in the Lord. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. St. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region, in the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, 
Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. In the boat was Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So I've got a really cheery message for you guys this morning. Repent for the kingdom. The for the kingdom part actually is the cheery part of the message. Let's get this straight. We tend to think of repent as something to be afraid of, something to resent, something to feel bad about. We think of repentance and we think about the time when we cheated on a test and our teacher found out and we had to go to the principal's office or that time when we slapped our brother because he just looked like he needed one or whatever else and immediately the punishment and the discipline and the justice of God encounters us and we're called to repent. And yes, absolutely, that is a large part of what we're talking about today. The justice of God encountering us in our brokenness and challenging us to turn aside. That's really what repentance means, right? It's to turn away from your chosen course of action. In our world where you should just be you, live your truth, you're perfect just the way you are, repent is just about the most countercultural thing that we believe as Christians. In a world where you should celebrate yourself, and not only that, but market yourself on Instagram so everybody else better celebrate you too, we're told no. In fact, when truth enters the world in the form of Jesus Christ, the first thing he says in his ministry is, you need to change. You need to turn aside and The promise is built into this command. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen? So when I say I have a cheery message, I'm only half joking. Because truly, we were just in Exodus for 14 weeks. All because we wanted to get to the promised land. All fall, we were trying to get to the promised land. Well, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, it's here. It's here. Repent, for the promised land, the kingdom of heaven, is right at hand. So as we talk in this message, and as you kind of keep up with some of the sermon, we're ironing out the preaching schedule, but as we go forward, when you see me up here, I want you to know this. I'm talking about what happens when the true exodus shows up in Jesus Christ. From now till Easter, That's what I'm talking about. Because we learned a ton about how the Israelites were saved from tyranny and slavery 
And how that relates to our own brokenness and sin, our own difficulties. And we saw how even as they were being saved, they balked against the way that God was trying to lead them. And now what I'm saying is that pattern didn't stop. In fact, if we were to have done a study of the entire Old Testament, it just would have been one tyranny and slavery after another. Tyranny, slavery, exodus. Tyranny, slavery, Exodus. And somehow, although they made it to a promised land, they never made it to the promised land in all the Old Testament. Because they would get to the promised land and they'd turn it into Egypt. Now, it's more relatable, I think, if you think about your own self. You pray for months or years. You work towards this thing and you get it. And what do you do? You start complaining to God about that other thing that you need. That's what would happen to the Israelites. They would pray to get a great prophecy. God would save them. And immediately they turn aside to other gods, other goals, other visions of the way their life should be aside from God. And so today, as we talk and as we kind of move forward, let's think about us as the fulfillment. We are privileged to live in the age of the fulfillment of the true exodus. Christ has come. The light has dawned. The invitation today is to enter the promised land. Today. You don't have to wait. We get to be a part of it today because Jesus came. And so when we're looking at this and we're talking about what that means, I want you to keep that in mind the whole time is the invitation today, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's look at the gospel to start. This is right after Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. He was baptized, he went into temptation, and now he's going to start his ministry. And it starts this way in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Let's just pause there for a second. It says, now when he heard that John had been arrested, he went to Galilee. So why did he go to Galilee? Because if he stuck around, he was afraid that he was going to get arrested. And by afraid, I don't mean that. Let me rephrase, right? I don't think Jesus was scared of anybody at any time. But he knew that his ministry would be negatively impacted there. So guess what? Maybe God's calling me to go over here where I'm not going to be arrested right away. We see this happen again when they try and stone him, and he just kind of walks through the midst, does this like disappearing act, right? And he walks away. Nothing is getting between Jesus and his mission. But at the same time, Jesus going to Naphtali and Zebulun, we're told it's actually also to fulfill the words of the prophet. So I want you to know that when the Gestapo is coming for you, it might also be to fulfill the words of the prophet that you have to flee your home. Now, let me break that down a little bit. When bad things happen in your life, sometimes God is driving you into his promises. I'm not blanket approving of every bad thing that happens. Absolutely, there is resistance to the purposes of God on earth. And let's fight and win because Jesus is our victory, right? But let's not be so quick to condemn that awful car breaking down situation the fire you got you the fire that consumed your house the 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 thing all of these things while they can be absolutely tragic and we would not wish them on anyone don't be so sure god's not moving on your behalf in the midst of those difficulties right does god want 
the Herod and the Israelites to be out arresting John the Baptist? No. Did God know what would happen? Yes. And believe it or not, he is so big and so powerful, he can use even their rebellion to further his kingdom. And so Jesus gets driven into Galilee, and it's for that reason that we all get to be here today. Because most of us are not Jews. And this prophecy that we're going to dig into a little bit today is part of moving God's purpose from his ethnic people Israel to the entire world. We are the people in darkness, those filthy Gentiles that get invited into the purposes of God. And so as we look here, it says, quoting Isaiah, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Clearly, it's talking about us. We were dead in our trespasses, and Jesus came that we might be set free and live in the light of Christ. And so it continues. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I want to go back and look at this Isaiah passage, because we read it for the Old Testament. We read a part of it, and we read some of it in our gospel reading. But it is absolutely fascinating when we look at what's going on here. And I think it speaks very well to our situation today. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. For God is with us. I don't think I'd be alone in arguing that. In our lifetime, there has never been a more, let's say, we have never seen worldly powers arraying themselves against the people of God like we're seeing today. In our lifetime. I know absolutely there's been bad things and good things and ups and downs. And I don't want to be somebody standing here like the world is ending. That's not my point. My point is it doesn't take a genius to look out into the world and say, wow, there's a lot of people who are setting themselves against the purposes of God in the world. There's a lot of people who are trying to get you to give up your values and jump on their bandwagon, whether that's financially, whether that's in your lifestyle Or in this idea that's crept into our culture where it's no longer live and let live, but it's actually if you don't celebrate my sin, if you don't celebrate my lifestyle, then you're a bigot and deserve to lose everything. You've heard these things, these stories, cancel culture, right? Or the globalist elite, the the COVID response, all of these different things, these doomsday words that kind of float in the atmosphere of our conversations. I hear it all the time. So at the gas station, I heard somebody next to me saying, talking about, complaining about Facebook and the Google and the monopoly and the media and all this stuff. Yeah, things are happening. People are out to destroy the works of God. It's not new. It's not news. But let's be aware of it. This is what's happening in this Isaiah passage. Israel is, first of all, turning away from God. So when it says, Be broken, you peoples. It's very clearly implied by the context that he means Israel too. And they're just about to be conquered by the Assyrians. 
They're about to be enslaved in a way that we can hardly imagine. So the big bad guys are arraying themselves against God. Even the people of God are turning away from God. We may even see some of that in our culture where we're like, wow, that church is just like wholesale going with the culture. We have all these grievances of all these people turning against us. It's not new. This is the same thing that God was dealing with with the Israelites in Isaiah. And the answer has already come. In this passage, you'll see he's giving them a promise. And we're told in the gospel that promise is Jesus. And so, not only is this passage addressing the same situation that we're in today, but, like it says, all you enemies of God, take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. More than ever today, we can say, God is with us. Because Emmanuel, God with us, came, and he is never going to leave us or forsake us. So when you look out on the world and you might get scared, remember that the challenge has been issued from God to the nations, and the victory is already won. The question is, what do we do in the meantime? What is our role? Because the fight isn't between the nations and you. The fight isn't between the works of darkness and you. The fight is between the works of darkness and God. We just get to live it out in our life, right? But Christ in you, the hope of glory, wants to lead you so that you don't fall by the wayside, so that you don't get taken out. <clears throat> so what do we do in the meantime? Well, the, the title of the next passage in the Bible that I was reading is Fear God, Wait for the Lord. Pretty simple. So let's get into what that looks like. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, let him be your dread. In an age where conspiracy theories is like a common attack, accusation, a common issue, right? There's a large legal case being settled right now um, between a podcaster and these people who are accusing him of conspiracy theories and millions of dollars being paid. The media has been saying the word conspiracy theories. If you look at like the, the growth on Google of like how words are used, conspiracy theories is through the roof over the past 10 years. And again and again, we're seeing some of these things may actually be true. God help us. But that's not the point. The point in this passage is do not look towards your enemies when you look out into the world. Do not focus on how devilish, how wise, how clever they are. Do not focus on conspiracies and dread of all the people coming against you. But instead, who should you focus on? Well, it says, but the Lord of hosts you shall honor as holy. Because you see what happens when you go down the conspiracy theories rabbit hole? And I have two friends in particular who have really gone down that. And it doesn't matter how right they've been about certain things. What their life has become is about worshiping their fear of the conspiracy. They can't talk about anything else. 
Yeah, but isn't God, we're both Christians, but isn't God in control? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but, no, but these people, they're so powerful. Like, what are we going to do? But isn't, didn't God like rise from the dead? Didn't he send his son rise from the dead and like buy us eternal life? Yeah, but I, I don't know, man. I just, have you heard about this thing? Like they just, they've created this cocoon of fear around themselves. And they've blinded themselves because they've been so focused on the problem, they've missed the solution. And the solution isn't for you to have a Facebook page that gathers people, that mobilizes against the global elites and overturns them and brings everything back to Christian, the Christian nation that we love, right? That's not the solution. The solution is Jesus in your life today. Absolutely, we will be called to be a part of changing the world. But first, we got to get this part right. Fear the Lord and him shall you dread. That means there's no space to fear anything else. As VeggieTales has taught us, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's even bigger than those monsters on TV. So we must center our lives on the power of God. Because fear is a weapon and it's wielded against us constantly. In fact, I want to move away from this kind of conspiracy theories globally. There's one fear that I think maybe is more dangerous to us today than any of that. At least us in this room. And that's the fear. It's called FOMO. Fear of missing out. In Orange County, California, FOMO is at an all-time high. Because everyone you know has a better life than you. How is that possible? How is it possible that everybody in this room, everybody we know has a better life than we do and is able to do more things than we are and has more money? Well, I'll tell you, it's actually not possible. It's a lie. It's a lie. You are constantly manipulated by your phones, by the TV, by everything, by even your conversations with one another to think that you need something else. I was just watching this uh, great interview with this guy talking about Catholicism and the doctrines of the church and they were having this great interview and they were drinking this great scotch and this cigar and it was like three in the afternoon and they were in this beautiful study and office and I was like oh no I'm missing out I don't have my cigar I don't have my 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 scotch I don't have my office I'm not sitting around talking about the things of Jesus I'm just stuck in LA traffic trying to get these doors to a job site and the ball starts rolling right and then he says, you know, I have a cigar every night, and it's just this wonderful hour long where I just con- contemplate my life, and I slow down, and I let God speak to me, and I have this moment. I'm like, oh, I'm getting a little hyperventilating here. I can't find 10 minutes to stop and sit and think about God, right? Fear of missing out. Am I missing out in my life on the good things? The answer is No. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not out there. It's not in your, everybody else's Instagram. It's not the mimosas at brunch. I don't think I've ever been to brunch. It's not that, right? It is at hand. Man, I was looking around. Not going to get teary. I'm not going to do it. But I was looking at my kids last night and them just playing. And like, I was so concerned with all the things I needed to do to get the sermon ready and to get dinner ready and stuff. And at some point I just looked around. And I was like, God. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. It's right here. Why don't I just slow down for a second and enjoy the evening? Doesn't mean there's not stuff to do. Doesn't mean I'm not busy. Doesn't mean I didn't have to get up at the crack of dawn to try and get this sermon together. But it means that 
I wasn't blinded by the fear of missing out. Okay. I was going to have a whole Madam Blueberry thing too, but you guys get the point, right? Don't go out and spend or make decisions of your time and your money because you're afraid. Even if it's the right decision, if you do it because you're afraid, you're feeding an evil beast that will take you over. So if you start feeling afraid, that compulsion, I've got to do these things because if I don't, slow down. Ask God. You might even make the same decision, but stop and put your trust in the Lord. Okay. Uh, let's keep moving here. Uh, yes, this is, this is where we want to go. Verse 14. So after we slow down, we fear the Lord. It's saying what God will do. He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling, stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. So what is this stone we're talking about? Well, what did Jesus say? Let's just bring it back to him. Jesus said, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Let me just tell you, the rock, the stone, that's Jesus. There's all these prophecies throughout the whole Bible. There's one that's like really beautiful and crazy and surreal about this multi-machine monster thing of clay and iron and bronze, and it hits this rock, and it falls apart. And what that symbolizes is the empires of the world, everything arrayed against the kingdom of God, falls apart because of this one stone, this rock. But there's an invitation for us in what Jesus says. It says, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And in other passages, it says it will crush him utterly. That is the call to repentance today. The world is created such that all of the universe, all of existence flows with the justice and purposes of God. And if you work against those, you'll encounter the rock. That's the way the world works. Not because God's looking to smash you, but because there just isn't another way. The way the world works is that if you choose sin, if you choose your own way, if you choose to run after gods that aren't God, that rock will fall on you. The foot will drop. But there's another invitation, and I love how it's phrased here. The other invitation is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means throw yourself on this rock, and yes, you'll be broken in pieces, but you won't be crushed utterly. This has always stuck out to me for some reason. The one who falls on the stone, the one who throws himself on the mercy of God, yeah, he'll be broken. But what are we told? What God's going to do in that process is he's going to burn away those things that are not of God in your life. He's going to burn the chaff. Those pieces that are breaking off of you, those are the things that are keeping you from living in the kingdom of God. Yeah, you might have to give up something you love. But you know what? If God calls you to give it up, You don't want to keep holding on to it. It's only keeping you from entering into his purposes. So there's the two ideas. You can either go your own way, the rock, the justice of God will fall on you, you'll be crushed utterly, or you can throw yourself on the mercy of God today and repent, and he will break you. But he will, in his goodness, the same way he invited us to the cross to participate in that with him, he will raise you up. So this stone has significance in our life, but it's also the stone of offense and the stone of stumbling. 
And that's my hope for the world today, is that all these big empires that are being built up against us, they're going to encounter the rock, and they will fall apart. We get to be a part of that. Did you know? We are actually invited to be God's body on earth. We're invited by living our lives such that we are serving him to be a rock of stumbling in the world. Let me talk about it this way. The whole world is blind to reality. And by that I mean anyone who doesn't know Jesus is living in that thick darkness we were talking about. And we can see. So who do you want leading the way? Those who can see by the light of Christ or those who are blind to the way the world is? It'll get a little clearer as we look here. We'll skip to verse 19. And when they say to you, this is the people, the culture, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They have no light. I love this. Who are the medium and the necromancer? Well, there's an easy parallel here. The medium, the media. Same word. The medium, the media. And in a way, today, we can just say, yeah, who are you supposed to look to for your guidance? Go look at the media. Well, why would you do that? Shouldn't you inquire of God? And if they won't agree with the word and the testimony, I'm pointing to the gospel here, the book that we read every week, the, the Bible, the biblical worldview, it's because they're blind. They have no dawn. They have no light to see. Jesus is our dawn. He is the light that opens up the world. If they don't know Jesus, they just don't know how the world works. Okay, let's uh, look here. Yeah, okay, verse 21. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. This is what we read this morning. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and against their God and turn their faces upward. They will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. It recalls the plague of darkness in Egypt where it said it was so dark they couldn't even see their hand in front of their face. Well, guess what? It doesn't help you if the kingdom of heaven is at hand if you can't see it. That's the reality of the world. All those people out there who don't know Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is right there, but they can't see it. Anytime you turn to a God that's not the true God. Anytime you worship something, materialism, ideology, wokeness, pol- politics, whatever it is you worship, and that's for us too, right? Whatever thing is more important than God, whatever you look to for truth, for your answers that's not of God, it blinds you. It brings darkness into your life. So when we talk about repent for the kingdom of hand, is at hand, it's a formula. You repent, you turn away from your sin so you can actually see the kingdom. It's like you're facing the wrong direction. And Jesus is like, no, turn around, it's right here. So this morning as we talk about these things and we look out into the world at all the various 
social media, the influencers, the ideas, the, the money, all of the stuff that's saying, look here, look here, look here. That's vying for your attention. My call today is repent, turn away. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In that moment where I was distracted and my kids were playing and, and I was thinking of all these things, all I had to do was look away from those things that were concerning me, that were making me anxious, and see, oh, the kingdom's right here. At every moment in your life, there's that invitation. Are your eyes open? Are you paying attention? Are you looking in the right direction? Because even when you're slogging through a hard day at work, the kingdom of heaven's right there. So may God open our eyes. May God help us to repent. May God help us not to get so caught up in all the things that are on our heart and mind that are weighing us down. Help us to repent. means we have to change. means we have to do things differently. It's not just a pattern of thinking. It's not an Eastern religion where if you just think hard enough, you'll get there. No, you actually have to change. You actually have to change. You have to turn. But then guess what? It's so good. The kingdom is here. The promised land is here. Enter in. There's only more. And it never ends, right? In 20 years, I'm not going to be like, Oh man, yeah, I've just been living in the kingdom. I haven't, I haven't, I don't need to repent anymore. I am arrived. No, that doesn't happen. It's every day. Wake up, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Okay. So this is the promise that we are living in. This is the reason. And we have to do this because the world actually needs people who live in the kingdom because the kingdom of our God is invading the kingdom of this world. And we get to be a part of the invasionary force. We're spreading the kingdom with how we live. And so here's the prophecy that we're living in. There will be no gloom for her who was in, age, who was in anguish. That was Israel, the people of God. In the former time, he brought contempt into the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. We get to live right next to the sea, the ocean, right? It's beautiful. I love this town. I'm going to hold on to that one. But he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. That's today. We get to live in the light. So repent. Turn around and see. The kingdom is here. Amen? I believe in one God, the, the Father, Father Almighty, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory 
to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe one holy Catholic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, with the conviction that the light of Christ conquers every form of darkness, let us now pray with confidence for the needs of the whole world. That the church will promote unity among Christians and heal past wounds. Lord, in your mercy. That government leaders will have the integrity to place the common good above personal gain. Lord, in your mercy. That nations will heed the gospel's call to respect and protect all life. Lord, in your mercy. That those whose lives are lived in deep shadows or the darkness of oppression will be filled with the light of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. That those who hear Christ's call to serve will, like the apostles, leave whatever they are doing and follow him. Lord, in your mercy. That we will be faithful to the call God has put on our lives and boast only in him alone. Lord, in your mercy. That we who have been healed will comfort others with the same comfort we were comforted with. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we have seen your salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to be transformed into his image. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbors with the peace of the Lord. Peace. My spirit, sir, peace. The Lord be with you. I want to uh, say thanks to the men for all the work that was done yesterday at our work day. And not only just yesterday, but for several weeks. Uh, and I want to talk about a couple of things that you may have noticed. Um, I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to the things that we're, we've got on our, our agenda for this place uh, but more than that, for the company, right, that we do and we see this going forward. If you look out here on the side of the church, you'll notice there's dirt where there used to be like a planter and things. And there's a plan and a vision and we're going forward. There was, uh, speaking of our Orange County culture and things changing, where we have uh, urban camping is <laughs> on the rise. And you know what I mean? <laughs> And, uh, you know, somebody built a fire there inappropriately and it made a mess of things. And we're trying to make changes to to make our facilities flow and work better and to be more beautiful. And so we're we're taking a step here to to cement that over. And so in the in the weeks ahead, we'll see some changes there uh, and steps to make it more uh, beautiful and functional 
And you might have noticed out here in this other space right here, that's kind of this, we'll call it the breezeway area. Uh, you know, if I was an urban camper, that would be my spot. <laughs> but we're kind of, we're a school here, and so that's not the spot. And so we're going to, it's it's opened up, it's bright, it's clear, it's really awesome, and we're going to put a gate on there. So there's some things that we're working on. And, and what is really pleasing to me, just for myself, and why I want to say thank you to all the men for all the work they're doing, mm-hmm. is because, uh, you know, I aspire once in a while to competently handle a broom. <laughs> you know, man's got to know his limitations, right? But I get to stand with people that have skill and vision and planning, and that's really exciting. So for that, I want to say thanks to, to all of the people of, of real skill who are making a real great and positive impact. So thank you. Especially those guys with muscles and strong backs. Hey, I got some of that. You should have seen Christian, <laughs> Christian out there with the jackhammer. I'm thinking, Oof. I'm so glad that wasn't me, him and Nathan. <laughs> so, amen. Yeah, a lot amen. of good work. And our youth. Our youth had a big deal on Friday. Uh, I Really awesome. I heard a lot of great things. And it was uh, families dropped their kids off for a, a date night out. And uh, first, all the youth group is here, so there were no babysitters. <laughs> and yet they could come and drop their kids off because there were babysitters. And so mm-hmm. thanks, Thomas, and our youth group. Really fantastic. I, I'm, I'm excited about that. And you have a retreat coming up. Like February 2 through 4. Okay, yeah, I'm like looking at my watch. Okay, we got two weeks. <laughs> so keep, uh, keep our youth group in your prayers. And if you didn't have an opportunity to drop your kids off and pay the youth group, then just pay them now. <laughs> Donations are welcome. Amen. Uh, just Amen. a heads up, somebody left a piece of jewelry in the girls' bathroom. So if you uh, are missing something or all of a sudden remember, come see me. I have it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us us continually continually offer to God the sacrifice sacrifice of of praise. That That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
Christ, this is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that has made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, we have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choirs of angels, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread. He gave you thanks. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, David, Nell, Nancy, the House family, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. 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 Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ our sacrifice, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his supper.
This word that God's bringing us this morning is in this song. Amen. And I don't want to stop singing it without saying that. If you, if you didn't hear anything this morning, you've been singing along here for the last couple of minutes with the word that God has for you. Amen. Jesus silences fear. We have nothing to be afraid of. We have everything to rejoice in and look forward to. So, praise God. Yeah, sorry for interrupting. Let's praise God. <laughs> Sing. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your name. Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. Say, Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. As you go out from this place, always remember the gospel, that God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself and not counting your sins against you. God loves you, he's forgiven you, he's not mad at you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen. Amen.